0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Luna Lover the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Oh, oh, oh. Hello and welcome to the another podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine. Today, we do not have a moon airport. We don't even have an astrological season app. It isn't even an interview episode. No, today we're going to explore the basics of your natal chart. I've had a lot of people asking me to do this episode. And if I'm putting all the cards on the table, I actually recorded it yesterday and it was so bloody long and I thought, well, hang on a second, that is not... The basics. That is too much information. So I'm re-recording it. I'm going to simplify it. Even if you know how to read a natal chart really well, I think you're going to get a lot of information out of this. And the reason I didn't want to put all of the information that I put in yesterday in the final episode is because I think it's too much to take in all at once. All right, there will be more episodes, you know, um, throughout the year that explain different sections of the natal chart in detail. But for this particular episode, we're just covering the basics. I'm going to cover the significance and the difference between the planets, the signs, and the houses, and why they're all important separately, but also the importance of reading them all together. I'll talk about a few of the features within the natal chart that are important, but I'm not going to go into detail about them because, like I said, I could dedicate whole episodes to them. So I'll talk about the significance of looking at the degrees in a natal chart and also the four angles of the natal chart, which are actually quite important because they determined exactly where everything sits in the chart. Then at the end of the episode, I've got a bunch of questions that you guys sent through on Instagram, so I'll go through and answer all of those. I think that's it. I'm hoping this second record is going to be a lot more simplified than the first. Let's see how we go. All right, so let's start off with the basics. What is a natal chart? First of all, I just want to say natal chart, birth chart, astrological chart, all interchangeable terms. I think Americans like to call it a birth chart. Um, But I could be making that up. Anyway, they're all the same thing. And it basically maps the planets in their journey around the sun at the exact time you were born. And a thorough reading of your natal chart is going to highlight your gifts, your talents, your skills. It's going to show you elements of your life purpose and the path that you could take to get there. It's also going to highlight some of the challenges or obstacles that you might face throughout your life. But there is no such thing as a good chart or a bad chart. And I joke about it all the time with my own chart, because I think if you were to look at my chart without knowing me as a person and what I've done throughout my life and what I've achieved in my career, it might be a bit like, holy shit, this chick is a nightmare. (laughs) I've got a lot of Mercurian energy in my chart. There's a lot of Gemini, there's a lot of Virgo, and there's a lot happening in the 12th house, right? And if it's interpreted one way, I could come across as someone who talks a lot, is very flaky, hangs out in fantasy land, doesn't deal with reality may be prone to depression you know there's lots of elements you could pull from my chart by looking at it first go and not knowing the person and this is why context is so important with a natal chart and also why I do recommend at least once in your life having your natal chart read by an astrologer who you gel with who you feel speaks a similar language to you Um, because when we're reading our own chart we interpret it in such a way that fits the way we want it to But, you know, I say this to everyone when I sit down and do a reading with them, there are so many ways to interpret the one placement, right? And having context of the client is so important because, you know, depending on their childhood, depending on their career, depending on their ambitions, their family, you know, there's so many differing factors that can change the interpretation of that particular placement, So, going back to this idea of a good chart or a bad chart doesn't exist. It's not a thing. Basically, your chart is just an energy pattern. Yeah. And how you choose to play out that energy is what makes it good or bad for you. Yeah. You can make the best or worst out of any chart, depending on the choices you make within your lifetime. Basically, what the natal chart is doing is displaying where your energy naturally wants to go. Yeah. And like I said before, it's going to highlight your gifts, your skills, your talents, and how they can be used as resources to enjoy your life and also navigate the challenges and blocks that you may feel hinder you throughout your life the chart really is an evolutionary process and i practice i practice evolutionary astrology so we're sort of looking at ways that we can evolve and grow by looking at what's coming up in the natal chart it can also display past patterns i'm not going to go too much into that in this particular episode of the podcast but looking at placements of chiron and your south node can really sort of pull in what's come in from either like a past life energy or something that you've picked up in childhood and how that plays throughout your life but what's most important to note is the planets can't make you do anything <laughs> you always have free will the choice is always in your hands All right. So what I've done to sort of simplify the process of this is I've actually put a link to a very famous person's natal chart in the show notes of this episode. So if you want to have a look at that chart as we go through this episode, so you can understand key features of the chart, you're more than welcome to do that. Otherwise, if you've got your own natal chart, you can pull that up. I'm going to be working uh, with the charts that I use, which I construct through AstroGold. AstroGold is an app that you can download. It is quite pricey. It's a one-off price, but it's a really beautiful, clear uh, chart. Otherwise, time passages do a really good chart as well. Again, it's an app. It does cost money, but it's very clear to look at. Otherwise, you can download free charts online. Sometimes they're just a little bit hard to read, but give it a go. Otherwise, download the chart we have uh, that I've put in the show notes. It is of David Beckham. Why did I pull up David Beckham's chart? I'm not sure. His name just kept coming to my head, which is so weird because I'm not a soccer person or a David Beckham or Victoria Beckham fan. I don't know why he kept coming up, but he did. So I've just gone with it. Um, So if you want to have a look at his chart uh, while I explain elements of the chart, absolutely do that. If you're out for a walk or you're driving the car, don't worry about it. You're still going to get a lot out of this episode. All right, let's jump in. So the three major components that we're going to be working with in this episode are the planets, the signs, and the houses. And they all answer different questions. Yeah. They answer different questions about our psyche and who we are as humans. So the planets represent a function or a drive. Yeah. And they ask the question, what there are 10 planets in the natal chart. And then there's a bunch of other things in the natal chart. So we've got Chiron, which is not a planet. It's an asteroid. We've got the lunar nodes, which you know a lot about if you listen to this podcast, but again, they're points on the nodal axis. They're not planets. And then the other figure that you may have in the chart, if you've pulled up David, our, our mate David's chart, is it's at the top of the chart in the 11th house. It's like a black moon with a little cross under it. That's Black Moon Lilith. All right, I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on Black Moon Lilith one day. I'm just still really trying to understand her to the absolute depths before I teach you about her, but I find her absolutely fascinating. But for this particular episode, we're just going to concentrate on the 10 planets, yeah? So, yeah, the planets are representing in the chart a function or a drive. They're asking the question, what, yeah? The signs are basically like 12, 30-degree areas of space that form and a movable circular band around the earth. Yeah? 12 times 30, 360 degrees. And they occur in an astrological order that always remains the same. The order begins with Aries, which is the first sign of the Zodiac, and ends with Pisces. And what the signs do is they have a very clear objective and flavor. They ask the question, how? How does this planet express itself? What motivates this planet? Yeah. How does the energy of this planet play out? It plays out through the characteristics and qualities of the sign. Then the next part of the chart that we look at are the houses. And the houses are sections of the sky as seen from the Earth's perspective, There are 12 houses named from the first house to the 12th house. And if you want to know more about the houses in depth, I've done two podcast episodes on the houses. Just go back through episodes. Actually, I'll link them in the show notes of this episode. Um, But the houses are subject to a specific location on earth and are aligned with the horizon and the meridian, which we'll talk about very soon. Due to this fact, the houses can vary in their size, yeah? But there will always be 12 of them. So while the signs always occupy exactly 30 degrees of space, the houses occupy a different number of degrees depending on the birth location. So what I want you to do is I want you to pull up a chart, maybe David Beckham's. (laughs) This is so funny. (laughs) David's, this is the reason I went with David's in the end, because you can really see how the sizes of the houses are so different, right? So if you look at the numbers for the houses are on, in this particular chart, in the Astro Gold chart, the numbers for the houses are on uh, the circle in the middle, yeah? So you'll see from the left-hand side of the chart, we've got a one. And then if we move around the chart in an anti-clockwise direction, The numbers increase in size. So we've got the first house, the second house, the third, the fourth, and so on. A really obvious one here is say, look at the second and third houses, right? They're very small. And then compare it with the sixth house or the twelfth house, um, and they're very large, right? So they're occupying more space. And that therefore more of those 30 degree areas of space that the signs occupy fit into a house. So you'll see in the in the 12th house of David Beckham's chart that he's got Aries, which is those little red symbols there. And he's also got Taurus, which is the little green symbols with the horns. And if you look up to the cusp of the 12th house, which is the line that divides the 11th And the 12th, there's a blue symbol at the top there, and that's Pisces. So his 12th house is actually ruled by the sign of Pisces, but he's got Aries in that house, and he's also got Taurus in that house, because his 12th house is so bloody big. And... If you look back at that chart, you'll see the 6th and the 12th house are exactly the same size. That goes for all of the houses that are opposite each other, right? Because if you think about it, the chart is like a pie. We sort of cut through the center from edge to edge six times, creating 12 unequal pieces. But the opposite piece of pie will always be of equal size. Yeah? And what the houses represent in the chart, the question they ask is where? where. Is the energy of the planet flavored by the sign going to play out in my life? The house represents a particular terrain. Okay? Now, at this point, I think it's really important for me to be very clear. So the house system that I practice within my astrology practice is the Placidus house system. Now, the majority of astrologers do practice Placidus, but there is also a system known as the whole sign house system, right? And the whole sign house system is basically one sign per house. Yeah. So each house takes up 30 degrees of space. How do they compare? Well, look, I'm not going to go into it, but basically it throws off the planetary placements of your chart. So if I look at my chart according to the whole sign house system, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. A lot of my planets that are in the 12th house end up in the first house does not resonate with me in the slightest. But a lot of astrologers swear by it. So really feel into it for you. But if you have been looking at a chart where all of the houses are the same size, or perhaps you're looking at one chart and in a different chart, your planets are in different houses. It's probably because they're using a different house system. All right. Now, before we move on, I just want to go back to either David Beckham's chart or your own chart that you're looking at, and I want to explain some key features. It's likely there's a bunch of what we call glyphs on your chart. Some glyphs are the glyphs of planets, some glyphs are the glyphs of the signs, and then we've got a bunch of numbers. All right. So if you do have a chance, bring up David Beckham's chart because I'm going to explain it based on the Astro Gold charts. So what I want you to do, because otherwise it's going to get very confusing, is I want you to Google planetary glyphs in astrology and then sign glyphs or zodiac glyphs in astrology. Then you're going to be able to interpret exactly what is what, but for each of the planets, there will be a sign glyph attached to it. You'll also see that the sign glyphs go along the outside of the chart, right? That's telling us what signs are in what houses. Now, on David Beckham's chart, if we go all the way over to the left-hand side of the chart, you'll see the sign for Taurus. It's a green symbol with some horns on it. That's his uh, rising sign, is Taurus, right? Which brings me to the angles of the chart. And the angles of the chart are important because it basically sets up where everything is placed within your chart. So we've got the horizon line, which cuts horizontally through the chart. If you're looking at a chart, the horizon line is the cusp of the first house and the cusp of the seventh house, right? On the left-hand side of the chart, that line is the ascendant, yeah? Your rising sign. And see how on the outside he's got a symbol for Taurus. That says that his ascendant is Taurus. If we go to the other side of the chart, what we call the west side of the chart or the right side of the chart, that's an angle known as the descendant, right? Not going to go into detail about that now, not important. Now, what's a bit funny with David Beckham's chart is because of the sizes of his house, the meridian line is not perfectly at the top of the chart but essentially it is right so his meridian line it's meant to go from top to bottom but it kind of skews over to the right a little bit if you're looking at your own chart the meridian line is the cusp of the 10th house so the line that divides the 9th house from the 10th house And it goes all the way down to the bottom of the chart to the line that separates the third house from the fourth house. And those angles of the chart, the top of that meridian line is what we call the midheaven or the MC. And the base of that meridian line is what we call the nadir or the IC. All right. That's a lot of information. But the reason I'm telling you is this the ascendant sign changes roughly every 2 hours yeah it depends on your location what time of year it is and the reason that your time of birth is so important because is because as soon as that ascendant shifts we've got a new sign on the cusp of the first house which is going to change the house placements for you for your entire natal chart yeah so it's not just oh i don't know my time of birth so i can't really tell what my rising sign is you can't tell what the house placements are and if you don't know where the houses are then we don't know what planets are falling into what houses which means when we look at your natal chart we can't answer the question where where is this playing out It also explains, you know, how two people born on exactly the same day, same year, but at a different time can have a very, very, very different natal chart. Yes, all the planets will probably be in similar signs, but they're going to be in different houses. All right. I hope that makes sense. I'm not going to go into the angles more than that, but we will do a whole podcast episode on the angles one day all right let's start with the planets the planets are telling us about a function or drive within us like i said before there are 10 planets in your natal chart and then you've also got a couple of lunar nodes the asteroid chiron you've got your ascendant sign and then maybe black moon lilith if you're looking at david beckham's chart and again just to reiterate your ascendant is the sign that was coming over the horizon at the time you were born yeah And that rising sign determines the rest of your natal chart. Now, I'm not going to go into what every single planet means. I think it's too much information to take in all at once. But understanding that the planets represent a drive or a function and ask the question, what, is a really good place for you to start, right? With the knowledge that I give you today, I think what might be most advantageous is for you to apply it to your sun, your moon, and your rising, right? And if you can start with that and really understand what we call the primal triad, then you're going to get a lot out of this episode. When you start to apply it to everything, it can be really overwhelming. So what I will do is I'll tell you the drive and the function of the sun, the moon, and the rising sign. And then um, I'll tell you the significance of the other planets. But if you want more detail, just Google it. Honestly, there's so much information online. All right. So the sun, the function of the sun is the expression of life force. Yeah. It's your vitality. It's the core energy of who we are. It's our identity. It's our ego. Um, Often it's called our personality. Right now. I always think it's interesting saying the sun is our personality because of course it is. But I don't know about you, but my personality is made up of the way I communicate, which is my Mercury, the way I value myself and value other people in relationships, which is my Venus. It's made up of my drive and determination, which is Mars. So I think it's interesting to just attribute personality to your sun, but thinking of it as the egoic self, the how you identify is probably a really good place to start the function of the moon is the development of feeling yeah so the what is your emotional self it's your ability to experience deep emotional security and open up to the soul i like to describe your moon sign sort of like your inner psyche Right, It's like a world that you exist in that not no one else is existing in with you unless you choose to share it with them. But it's the reason why sometimes we're feeling all this stuff on the inside. We're existing in this world on the inside, but nobody else is seeing it, which means they're not responsive or reactive to it. And sometimes we feel unrecognized, unseen, right? And it's usually because our moon sign is very different to our sun or our rising now how does the rising sign differ to the sun sign well it's your identity in action it's the outward expression of your inner expression i like to describe the ascendant or the rising as if you were to sort of take like your entire natal chart and then go okay i've got all of this stuff happening in the background how am i going to express it out yeah how am i going to express it out into the world and you choose to express it out through the lens of your ascendant sign so david beckham is expressing himself through the sign of taurus it also happens to be his sun sign which is taurus as well oh god he's a triple earth and his moon sign is in capricorn yeah so look the the inner monologue of david beckham And what the world experiences of David Beckham and who he identifies as is all pretty similar, right? Very practical, very down to earth. He's probably, you know, a bit of a uh, planner, bit of a strategy kind of man, bit of a list taker, list maker. (laughs) It's actually a lot going on in his chart. We'll do his chart another time. All right, then we've got, so that's the primal triad, right? Your sun, your moon, your ascendant. Then we've got the personal planets. I talk about them a lot on the podcast. We've got Mercury, Venus and Mars. They all have different functions. I mean, if we're going to go over it very quickly, which, okay, I will. Mercury, transmission of information is the communication planet. Venus, it's all about our values, peace, security and relating with others. So yeah, love and relationships. It's also about money. Venus can be about money. Then we've got Mars, which is our self-will and our courage. Mars is action energy. It's our drive, our determination. It's also our desires. And yeah, it can be our sex drive too. Then we sort of come out a little bit more. We've got the two planets that we call the teachers. One of them is Jupiter. The other is Saturn. Yeah. Then we come out even further. We've got the outer planets, the transpersonal planets. These are Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto, they've all got different functions, right? One of the questions I did get through Instagram is do those outer planets affect us personally within our natal chart? Now, what's interesting to note is that those planets and the signs that they're in are not so important on a personal level because most people in your generation will have the planets in the same signs because the planets move very slowly through those signs, right? However... If those planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, Uranus, or Pluto are making what we call hard aspects to your primal triad or those personal planets, then yeah, they're going to impact your natal chart significantly. All right. I'm not going to go into aspects in this podcast. It's very advanced astrology, but basically there's certain um, angles that planets can hit each other at that determine how the energy of that planet is played out. All right, I hope I haven't gone too deep there. But this is this is the overall thing I want you to remember about the planets. The sun, the moon move quite fast, right? The sun only takes one year to get through all 12 signs. The moon is moving through a sign every couple of days and it does a full... Um, It does a full lap through all 12 signs within a 29-day period, within a lunar cycle, right? Mercury, Venus, Mars are moving quite fast too, especially Mercury and Venus. They're trying to keep up with the sun most of the time. And Mars is a little bit slower, um, but still is moving quite fast, which is why we feel such an effect with with those planets, right? Saturn and Jupiter are moving a lot slower. Yeah. Uh Saturn takes look it change it changes. It's not always the same, but Saturn takes, you know, 2 to 3 years to move through a sign and Jupiter kind of similar timing. Again, it changes. It's not always the same. But those outer planets, Neptune, Pluto, Uranus, they're taking years, sometimes decades to move through all 12 signs, which is why the slowness and the effect of them is not felt as much unless they're making a hard aspect to the personal planets. All right, let's move to the signs now. So there are 12 signs. They take up 30 degrees of space. This never changes, right? They occur in the same order, Aries to Pisces. Now, I'm not going to go through the characteristics of each sign or the qualities of each sign because we would be here forever. And again, Google is your best friend. But I thought what we could do is... um I could divide them into the four elements so you can understand them from an elemental perspective. And then I want to take you through the evolution of the signs because that's what I find most fascinating about the 12 signs is how they evolve much like we evolve as humans. And I think that understanding the signs from that perspective is really going to help you understand the importance of following astrology throughout the year outside of your own natal chart, the seasons that we move through, uh, the lunar cycle following the moon through each of the signs, right? But let's start with the elements first. So we kick off with fire signs. The fire signs are Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius. Fire signs in general are action signs, right? They just want to do. They want to be out there. They want to go. Yeah, it's all about taking action. They're also very self-full, <laughs> self-focused, yeah? They need to satisfy the desires of the identity. That's what ignites them. That's what lights the fire in them. They can be volatile, dramatic, spontaneous, explosive. It's hard to contain the energy of fire, right? Right? people with strong fire charts and when I say a strong chart so either some fire in your primal triad or you've got a lot of fire signs in the background it sort of dominates the chart these people are exciting yeah they're full of color they're full of enthusiasm they're full of action and adventure sometimes drama (laughs) if they can't fulfill that If they can't satisfy that desire, they become restless, they become frustrated, they become angry. Then we've got the earth signs, Taurus, Virgo, Capricorn. Earth deals with the material and the practical, yeah? They like to hang out in reality. People with strong earth charts like to feel useful, they like to see tangible results. Yeah. They want to see what's in front of them. They want to be able to touch it. This makes them feel safe. This makes them feel secure. They're interested in producing, in making, in creating from a really practical, tangible perspective. Then we've got the air signs, Gemini, Libra and Aquarius. Yes. Aquarius is an air sign. These guys are cerebral AF. Yeah. Everything is approached through the mind. They want to expand through exchanging ideas, being social, forming bonds, having conversation. Yeah, they have a quick mind and they need for it to be constantly stimulated. And the air signs are usually sort of uh, attached to relationship in the sense that they need to connect minds and transport ideas and thoughts and concepts with each other, right? And you need someone else to do that with. (laughs) So there's a lot of intellectual stimulation. There's a lot of curiosity, a lot of overthinking, a lot of learning, studying, expressing ideas. Then we move to the water signs. And the water signs are all about the feels, right? We've got Cancer, Scorpio and Pisces. Water relates to the emotional body, yeah? These signs are motivated by their need for closeness, connection, a sense of belonging. So yeah, relationship comes up a lot with the water signs as well, but it's a different form of connection to the air signs. They want to merge with another. They want to feel your feelings they want to express their feelings. It's all about the feelings. <laughs> People with strong water charts are highly sensitive, but they're also like super intuitive, very healing. Water is healing, and often very creative. Yeah. All right, so that's the elemental side of the signs. And then, look, there's other ways to look at it. We've got the three modes, cardinal, fixed, and mutable. Won't go into that. Not important right now. But you've also got the polarities of the signs. You know, Is it a yin sign? Is it a yang sign? The yin signs are the water and the earth signs. And the yang signs are the air and the fire signs. And the reason I bring that up is you could look at your chart and say, am I predominantly yin? Do I need to introduce a little bit more yang? Into my life, or am I predominantly Yang and I need to chill the fuck out and into um, introduce some more water and earth elements into my chart? When we look at the signs as a whole, I just want to recap: they have a very clear objective. Yeah, they motivate and color and flavor the planet, the function, the what. The sign adds the information of how, how is this playing out? How will the planet achieve its objective? On a deeper level, the signs also really ask why, yeah? Why is this planet motivated in such a way? I want to take you guys through the 12 distinct phases in the evolutionary journey of the signs because... Honestly, once I understood it from this perspective, it made so much sense to me uh, in terms of my own chart. But like I said before, in terms of the lunar cycle, how the astrological seasons play out. Their energies, whether we have them in our chart or not, are constant in our lives. And you know what? We actually do have them in our chart. And I'll talk about it at the end because someone asked a question about it. But all signs are in your chart. You just might not have planets in those signs. But the signs are still flavoring the houses, which we'll talk about in a minute. All right, so let's start right at the beginning. The first sign is Aries. And Aries is the birth of self. It's the ignition of conscious self-awareness. So think about a baby born into the world. All it knows... All it cares of at this point in time is itself. It doesn't have any fears because it's never existed before. It hasn't experienced anything. So there's no fear, right? And this is where the energy of Aries, the courage, the independence, the confidence comes from. It does not know fear yet. And this is why it can be so impulsive and jump in headfirst. Then we've got Taurus, and Taurus is the initial awareness of having things, yeah, of ownership. The baby realizes it's got fingers and it's got toes, but it's also got like a bottle and some clothes. And what's that soft toy? It finds security in ownership, in owning them, in having things, yeah? And this is where the qualities of Taurus are of the practical of reality, but also of the material world comes from. Then we've got Gemini and Gemini is the initial awareness of the mind. And the child is now learning to communicate. It's talking, it's listening. It's starting to perceive what is in its immediate environment. Yeah. And it starts to label them. It's like, oh, that is my mother. Oh, That is my crib. Oh, that is the family dog. Oh, this is where I eat my food. Yeah? It's perceiving what's going on around it. And this is Gemini's greatest skill, greatest quality. And also, it's learning that it can start to communicate with the other people around it. Then we move into Cancer. Cancer is the initial awareness of emotion. Oh, I see. (laughs) I have feelings. The child now begins to extend out from its immediate identity and realize the impact of its feelings. It experiences feelings of safety primarily through its parents, its mother, the family, the home, right? This is cancer. Then we move into Leo, and Leo is the initial awareness of personality, The child now extends further from the identity. It realizes that it can do a bunch of things and get some attention for it. It can paint. It can dance. It can make people laugh. It can entertain. Yeah, this is the performer. This is where the child realizes it has an audience and it can make that audience do what it wants by performing for it. Then we've got Virgo. Virgo is the initial awareness of being of use. Yeah. The person extends further from the identity here. It goes, oh, hang on. I've got a bunch of skills. um, And now it might be helpful to like use them um, and give them to other people. Maybe I can help. Maybe I can be of use. Virgo must work. Then we move into Libra and Libra is the initial awareness of other, of duality, of connection. The person steps outside of themselves and notices someone else that's not their mother. (laughs) Yeah, and this is where connection, relationship comes from. This is why Libra is so associated with relationship. You know, there's this trope about Librans that they have to be with people or in relationship at all times. It's the awareness of duality. Then we've got Scorpio. (laughs) and Scorpio takes it one step further it's the awareness of merging with another so it's it's something to relate with them it's quite another to merge with them yeah the person is now totally outside the identity to become one with the other then we move into Sagittarius so now we're getting out into the world yeah We're sort of stepping outside of the identity. We've met some people along the way. We're forming connections. Now we're going bigger. It's more about worldly pursuits, right? Sagittarius is the awareness of beliefs and ideals. This person is totally outside of both identities and begins a search for understanding. Understanding themselves, understanding other people, but most importantly, understanding the meaning of life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Then we've got Capricorn. And Capricorn is the awareness of responsibility, yeah? I have these beliefs, I have these ideals, but what am I responsible for in the world? What is my legacy? How can I contribute to the world at large? (laughs) Then we move into Aquarius. I'm laughing because I can see one person moving through all of these and it's quite funny. Aquarius is the awareness of freedom, right? So it's been Capricorn, it's like, I've got this responsibility, how am I going to contribute to the world? But, oh my God, I need some freedom as well. This person is totally outside the ego and wants to join minds for the common cause. This is why Aquarius flocks to like-minded people, yeah, and social causes. It's to move into a future direction. Then we finish with Pisces. And Pisces is the awareness of universal oneness it is so outside of the ego at this point it just wants to merge with life it's a death of the identity of the ego of the self and it's the process of diffusion it's going into the universal consciousness yeah and this is why Pisces is often thought of as this really sort of nebulous dreamy illusionary sign is because it is stepped so far out of reality that it's sort of existing in the dream world now which is fine but when we look at Pisces we have to wonder how can I bring in some earth how can I bring in some reality right so that's the evolution through all 12 signs and then we go back to Aries My, one of my mentors, Jules Ferrari, she's an astrologer. She's amazing. Uh, Golden double underscore nature is her Instagram handle. If you want to go check out her astrology, but um, she describes Pisces as amniotic fluid, right? So it's like being back in the womb, being back in the womb, um, sort of moving through this dreamy fluid where, We're not in any form of reality yet because we haven't birthed into the world. And then as we birth out through the birth canal, we enter Aries again, yeah? That baby's being birthed and all it knows is self. So that's how we move through all 12 signs, right? Like I said, if you want to know more about the signs, give it a good Google. Um, But I try and explain it as much as I can as we move into an astrological season. But you can see the evolution of ourselves throughout a year if we're following the seasons throughout the year we'll go through all 12 seasons right now let's talk about the houses like I said before I've done two in-depth episodes on the houses so I'm not going to dive into each of the houses here but understanding the houses as a whole is looking at them with the question where yeah the houses are particular terrains of life this is where the planets and signs find their optimal potential for growth. My um my astrology teacher, Mark Lawrenson, he describes the houses like a stage, yeah? It's a stage where we enact our planet and the signs that they're in. Where does this play out, right? That's the significance of the house. It asks where, in what area of life What area of my life will a particular focus on personal growth be needed? And that's what the planets are there to tell us, yeah? This is probably a good point to talk about the degrees. Now, again, I don't want to confuse you. It can be quite confusing. I have to say, like for me, when I was learning astrology, I really struggled with degrees at first because I'm not great with numbers. Like seeing, like actually physically seeing numbers my brain starts to scramble. It does not like it. But they are very significant because like I said to you before, the signs are 30 degrees of space. So it starts with zero degrees and it goes to 29 degrees. And the degrees of the planets will tell us how far into that sign it is. It also helps when you're looking at aspects, which we're not going to talk about in this particular episode. But the reason I did want to bring the degrees up is because of the degrees on the outer rim of the chart, right? On each cusp of a house, so the line that divides one house to the next house, if we're moving in an anti-clockwise direction, the degrees on the sign of the cusp of that house is going to tell you what sign rules that house, right? So the reason I bring the degrees up is if you are looking at David Beckham's chart, for example... Okay, here's a good one. If you go to the cusp of the sixth house, so the line that divides the fifth house to the sixth house, you'll see that the symbol on the outside, that green symbol, is Virgo, right? The cusp of the sixth house is at 27 degrees Virgo. Now, we know that there's only 30 degrees of space within each sign. So once Virgo hits 29 degrees... It's then going to change into Libra. And if you look at the planets that are in his sixth house, he's got Pluto, which is that maroon planet, and he's got Uranus, which is that purpley blue planet. Um, And the sign that they're in is Libra. However, the ruler of the sixth house is Virgo because it's on the cusp, right? A house cusp is the dividing line between two Houses and it cuts through a sign at a particular zodiacal degree. The reason I tell you this is because I get a lot of questions about what sign is ruling what house. It's the sign that falls on the cusp. So, yes, he still has Libra in the sixth house, and yes, there's significance to it, but the ruler of that house is Virgo. All right. If you're following that, it's because you need to and you have a basic level of understanding in which you can apply it. If you don't understand that, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Let it go, all right? Now, the ascendant, this is why the ascendant is so important because the ascendant will tell us what the ruler of the first house is and will determine what the next sign is and how they hit the rest of the houses, right? That is why getting your birth time right is so bloody important all right so how do we put all of this together yeah it is the question of the moment it's 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 kind of tricky so i want you to just focus on your sun moon and rising all right until you get the hang of it to recap the planet represents a particular drive or function it asks the question what the sign flavors motivates expresses the drive of the planet and ask the question, how? How is this planet expressing itself? Why is it expressing itself this way? The house is the area of life where the drive is expressed. Ask the question, where? What stage is this playing out on? Planets in different signs and houses will represent different parts of us. And I heard this analogy once, it really helped me understand it. I'm going to give it a go using pop culture because it's my best method for explaining things. Let's see how we go. Think of the planet like an actor and the actor has a certain part it needs to perform. So let's say Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling is the planet, right? Now the sign that Ryan Gosling is is in, think of it as like a character in a movie, right? Right? The character he plays he's going to wear different costumes he's going to have a different accent maybe they're going to change his hair color yeah his facial features maybe they change it with makeup that's the sign right and the house sort of depicts where the movie is playing out right so let's use ryan gosling ryan gosling's the planet ryan gosling in the notebook playing noah in south carolina and watching that movie in a movie theater He's going to feel very, very, very different to Ryan Gosling playing Jacob in Crazy Stupid Love and watching it on a couch at home, right? Yeah, or or him playing it in whatever part of America he was playing it. But see how the flavor is different, yeah? The planet is the same. We all have the same planets. The sign is going to flavor that planet, depending on its costume, its hairdo, yeah? And where it plays out is going to be completely different, right? And this is why, again, I'll say it again, if someone born on exactly the same day as another person has all the same planets in all the same signs, it can be played out very differently depending on the house placement, where it's playing out in their life. And also their ascendant signs or if they're born at a different time. Now, the other thing I didn't say, which I probably should have said, the other thing our ascendant tells us is what the planetary ruler of your entire chart is, yeah? And the way that we figure out the rulers of the chart, I wasn't going to tell you guys this, but I actually think it's really important because it helps you understand the energy of the planets, the signs and the houses really well, all right? So every planet rules a sign and a house right and that house and sign and planet all have similar qualities and similar energies so i'm going to walk you through all of them if this goes over your head let it go over your head again you can google this stuff but let's just go through it quickly we'll start with mars mars rules aries and the first house it also traditionally ruled scorpio venus rules taurus and the second house Mercury rules Gemini and the third house. The moon rules Cancer and the fourth house. The sun rules Leo and the fifth house. Mercury also rules Virgo and the sixth house. Venus also rules Libra and the seventh house. Pluto rules Scorpio and the eighth house. Jupiter rules Sagittarius and the ninth house. Traditionally, Jupiter also ruled Pisces. Saturn rules Capricorn and the 10th house, and traditionally it also ruled Aquarius. Uranus rules Aquarius and the 11th house, and Neptune rules Pisces and the 12th house, right? So in saying that, Mars energy, Aries energy, and the energy of the first house are all very similar. So if you know your signs really well, it's a really good place to start because if you know your signs really well, which most of us know the qualities of signs, especially the ones we have, it's going to help you sort of understand the energy of the correlating house and the planet, yeah? There's actually not too much to remember when you can understand the rulerships. All right. <laughs> This episode has ended up being just as long as the original record, but I feel like I explained things a little bit clearer. So hopefully that is the case. I'm going to go through uh, what some of the questions were that came through on Instagram. So I got a question. I got heaps of questions actually about empty houses. Like if you haven't got any planets or signs in houses, what that means. I don't know if you guys can hear my washing machine, but if it's coming through, in the record I'm so sorry but there's nothing I can do about it I'm about to go away I need to do my washing so I'm terribly sorry for that all right empty houses if you haven't got planets in certain houses it's not a bad thing at all yeah if anything it kind of says there's no challenges or pressure points within that house yeah of course planets can add like really complementary Beautiful, advantageous energy to a house, but not having a planet there is not a bad thing. It doesn't mean there's no energy in that house because the sign is still in the house, right? If you look to the cusp of the house that you're looking at that feels empty or looks empty, you can see that the energy of that sign is still within the house. If you're playing along with the David Beckham chart, you'll see that his fifth house is empty his fourth house is also empty so let's go back to the fourth fourth house is empty cancer is on the cusp of the fourth house so his fourth house has cancer energy very fitting because cancer and the fourth house are the same energy leo is on the cusp of the fifth house also very fitting because the playful creative expressive childlike nature of Leo is also representative of the qualities of the fifth house. Yeah. So those houses are still energized. And yeah, look, if anything, I think it's a good thing. Most people freak out when they see that their seventh house, which is the house of relationships or their 10th house, the house of career is empty. Don't freak out. There's so much we can tell as an astrologer doing your natal chart about relationships and career that doesn't have to do with planetary placements in those houses. The first thing is the descendant line, which is the cusp of the seventh house, and the MC, which is the cusp of the 10th house. That's going to tell us so much about those areas. So please, please don't worry if you have empty houses. Another question I had is what if you have too many planets in one house? Again, there's no good or bad chart. All that sort of says to me is if you have a blunt If you have a bunch of planets in the one house, the energy of that house and the energy of the sign that those planets is in is of utmost importance to you. There is um, so many lessons for your growth and evolution through connecting with that energy and that house. Another question I had about houses is what houses are the main houses to focus on? I think all of the houses have... A focus they all mean different things they're all different areas of our life they're all governed by the energy of the sign that's within that house right however here's some houses that most people want to focus on when i do a natal chart reading again relationships you're sort of looking at fourth fifth seventh and eighth when it comes to relationships relationships Um, But then again, like communication is important in relationships. So you want to look at the third house, how you value yourself and your own self-worth is important in relationships. So you want to look at the second house. Do you know what I mean? It all fits together. Uh, career, we tend to look at the second house, which is like your talents, and the sixth house, which can look at your skill set and being of service, like work. It's sort of like daily routine is the sixth house. And then 10th house is classically the house of career. But it's also sort of like who you are in your public life. It's looking at the world at large. Um, 11th house can be important with career because it's about community and social awareness But again, it all sort of plays in. Your self-worth is important at work. Your communication is important at work. Your identity is important at work. So that's first, second, third houses, right? It all plays in together. They're all important. Uh, Okay, how do you use your chart to work out how a transit will affect you? All right, I feel like I talk about this in most of the podcast episodes. But again let's say venus is moving through pisces which it is when i record this podcast i'm not sure if it is when it airs um but it what you'd want to do with that is look at where pisces falls in your chart so if we're looking at david beckham's chart um okay this is actually a good example pisces is on the cusp of the 12th house but it's pisces at 27 degrees so Pisces is only in the 12th for another two degrees and then it turns into Aries. So I would want him to, yes, have a look at the 12th house because Venus is going to move through there at the end of its transit. But also coming to terms with the fact, coming to terms, that's not the right terminology, recognizing that Pisces, the majority of Pisces is actually in the 11th house. Um, So he would be looking at community and friendships yeah, and uh, his sense of individuation, right? When Pisces hits that area of his chart, um, well, it's actually really nice. Like he's likely to have um, this real sort of love um, and appreciation of the beauty of friendships and of of community um, and of working with the group, right? It's also going to hit, at one point, halfway through Venus's transit, it's going to hit Mars. Yeah, and then there's going to be a conjunction between Venus and Mars. So, like I said, this is all advanced astrology. This is why we get our native chart read with astrologers and they can do transit readings and all the rest of it, which I'll start doing soon, by the way. Um, I'll start offering transits and progressions. But you have to have your natal chart read first in order to understand those. But that's basically what you want to do. You want to have a look where the sign that the planet is in at the time is in your chart. It's probably going to show you the area of your life you're going to feel it. Um, What is more our personality, our sun or our rising sign? I think I kind of answered that because I personally feel like your personality is made up of the drives and motivations of like, all of the planets and signs. Um so it's really hard to say. Some people uh connect with their rising more than their sun. Some people express themselves through their rising a lot more, but it's also going to depend on the aspects that it's making to other planets. Um, so I think considering both most definitely. Uh, what if planets are retrograde in the chart? I'm gonna do a whole episode on this, but the only planets you need to be uh, concerned about, and I don't mean concerned in a bad way, I just mean that could uh, illuminate certain things for you, are uh, if the personal planets are retrograde. Most of the year, the outer planets are retrograding. Like most of us will have a retrograde planet in our chart. If you're looking at your chart, a way to tell if it's retrograde, actually it depends on the chart. On David Beckham's chart, it's the planets that have their degrees Uh, symbols and, and numbers in red that's retrograde otherwise in some charts it has like a capital r and a little a lowercase x that's the symbol for retrograde so it might be right next to that planet the sun never retrogrades the moon never retrogrades um but if mercury venus or mars is retrograde what it usually means is that the energy of that planet Uh, has been turned on the self, right? So we can become quite introspective, reflective. If it's Mercury, for example, if you're born during a Mercury retrograde, which is not rare because, you know, Mercury retrogrades four times a year. But if you are, it speaks to being quite intuitive, right? You're probably good at internalizing um, and reflecting and being introspective. Yeah, it's also going to depend on what else is going on in your natal chart, though, of course. Uh, Okay, I've got a few questions about cuspers. I'm going to do a podcast episode on that. I know I keep teasing it, but that's because I'm actually going to do it. Um, It will come eventually. And yeah, that's about it, really. That is all of the questions. So I hope I answered your question. If I didn't... You probably know by now that on the Lunalover Instagram account, I'm putting up question boxes every week. So make sure you ask me any questions that you want answered there. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you understand yourself a little bit better and your natal chart a little bit better. If you do want to have a professional reading, um, please book in with me. I absolutely love reading for you guys. It's the best because I know that you listen to this podcast. So I know that you already connect with my language and the way that I explain things Um, and I just really have like a bunch of really cool clients. So it's awesome. If you want to book in a natal chart reading with me, just click the link in the show notes of this episode or head to jordanalevine.com forward slash readings. February is booked out, um, but please book yourself in for March because it will fill up fast. It always does. I'm sort of booking out a month ahead now. So Do get ahead of that, or March will roll around and you'll have to wait till April. All right, my loves. uh, If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, either by word of mouth or sharing it on your socials. If you shared a social, if you shared an Instagram, you can tag me at Jordana Levine and tag Luna Lover at Luna double underscore lover. I'll be back next week with a Pisces season and Pisces new moon episode. The last season of the astrological year. Cannot wait. How exciting. Alright, my loves. Until then, I'm Jordana Levine and you've been listening to Lunar Lover Podcast.